because it is best for his development to be in a stable location. And that stable location is called Rockford, Illinois. Never thought I'd hear those words in the same <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And welcome to the Hockey Podcast. This is a fan-run podcast about the Chicago Blackhawks. My name is Tyler, and I am joined, as always, by my three co-hosts. Wally? Chicago sports are great. Nick? The Blackhawks are 1-14-1 since our last podcast. That's true. And John? We're not very good. No, and um, let's... Uh, Let's keep it, let's start there and let's keep it short and sweet. But before we do, I want to just discuss um, what's been, it's been a long time since we've had a, a podcast. Primary reason for that has been um, just schedules, time, all of us are in school and, you know, it's finals around this time of year. But now our semesters are all done. We're here and we are ready to talk about this team as much as we possibly can. Um, but more importantly, in the context of this, season and calendar year we also have the world juniors that's coming up in a bit and later on we are going to have our world juniors preview for everyone here what you should watch for as a hawks fan and what you should be looking forward to in terms of guys who are in this next draft we could be taking who are playing at the world juniors but let's start with the bad part the chicago blackhawks now we recorded our last podcast November 13th of 2022. As I'm recording this, today's date is December 18th. So that's about five weeks since our last podcast. In that time, the Chicago Blackhawks played 16 hockey games. And out of those 16 hockey games, they had, I believe it was a total of three points coming from one win and one overtime loss in that time frame remember earlier in the year when we were in a playoff spot when we were one win away from being in the division race we thought they were too good we thought we thought they were too good and now we are firmly in last place in the league and it's not even like the fun last place where we're scoring a lot of goals but we're giving up too many and we suck we have the most anemic and dull offense i've ever watched play hockey the inability for this team to generate chances is mind-boggling. I know that I said that I didn't think that our offense was sustainable. I didn't think that it was going to clear this badly. The teams in Groundhog Day, the, Bill Murray needs to be on the ice, it seems like. Chicago legend Bill Murray. Um, Tyler, I was with you when you said that, when you said that this offense is unsustainable. So that was fun that, or it's not fun. Um, it sucks that our prediction was right. I mean, I don't think it's surprising considering they were outperforming their expected goals by a ton. And now they're probably underperforming it now, but it's, it's still, I mean, pretty bad. So They're averaging 1.25 goals per game. In the last 16? Yes. And in their last seven, they're averaging one goal a game. Yes. That's not very good. So, since there's nothing really worth our time to discuss all 16 games in any sort of detail, to be honest, I think that we should just pick out some of the uh, the highlights, or more 
more often the lowlights of the last uh, 16 games. And I want to start with probably the best highlight, which was the Marion Hosa jersey retirement. That was the Pittsburgh game, which was the fourth game of the last 16. In the game, they actually lost 3-5. to five. However, it was probably one of our more competitive games in this uh, last stretch. And we got to see a Legends jersey number go to the rafters. Nick was there. Nick, what were your thoughts on the entire night? The night was awesome. Um, Hosa got to invite um, a lot of former teammates onto the ice. Only Taze Kane, Sharp, Jarmerson, Keith, and Seabrook were able to go down to center ice. But a lot of former Hawks alumni were sitting at the bench during the ceremony, which was cool to see. Hosa also did invite longtime color analyst Eddie Olchek to uh, be the voice for the um, ceremony, which was awesome because the Hawks have had Edzo back into the United Center three times, one being the Hosa ceremony and two times for broadcasting, one for Seattle and one for a national game. And, well, they never welcomed him back with any video tribute on the Jumbotron. And, well, Hawk fans basically welcomed Edzo back with warm arms by chanting Eddie chants before the ceremony got going, which was awesome to see. And um, just all around, the ceremony was great, even though it feels like ages ago since it's happened with how this team has played. Seeing how much Marian Hosa meant to the Chicago Blackhawks being the greatest free agent signing in Chicago sports history, getting his number 81 to the Raptors for so many to come with this um, Blackhawks organization just because of the last decade of great players. It, it was great to see Hosa get honored the way he did just because he may have not played his entire career with the Hawks, Frankly, his most important part of his career was coming to the Blackhawks, teaching the young players in 2010 what it takes to win a cup. And even though he never won a cup before coming to the Hawks, Hosa was outstanding. And the ceremony, the way the Hawks did it, was another, it was a one of the greatest ceremonies done. Even though in the atrium before the game, everyone in the atrium was packed in there like a bunch of sardines in a can. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can really top what Nick said. So. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so with that, uh, let's take it next to a low light from this last period. Um, I want to circle back to... I know it was a while ago, but we made predictions before the Boston game because we had our friend Black Bears on to discuss the game. And that game ended up being um, the first of a few blowouts and the first of a few games where the Hawks would score one or less goals. Hawks ended up losing 6-1 to one in that game. And I think that, in a sense, we all kind of got that right. We I don't think anyone here said that the Hawks were going to win, but, man, 6-1, it felt rough at the time because the Hawks were playing like semi-decent hockey but yeah no since that game this just feels like that's just how it is now can the Hawks stop wearing the ugly reverse retros because they debut it get 
blown out 6-1 and their next time they wear it, they lose in a shootout and then they lose 7-1 and it again. Yeah, no, this team has been um, a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. Um, so there was that. Uh, I want to throw it to... Uh, because after the Marion Hosa night, uh, there was, I would say, were two consecutive games of pain. The first one was a road game in Dallas. And... <sighs> Nick, do you just want to say it? Uh... It was a disgrace to hockey how it played out. Yeah, the Hawks were winning the game four to one with uh, ten minutes to go, and somehow they lost—not just lost, they lost in regulation, six to four. I don't even know what else to say. Chicago Blackhawks, what happened? Uh... How are you so bad? It's the sucking hard for Bedard run. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it doesn't guarantee anything. I know, right? That's what makes it so frustrating, is, like, we don't need to be embarrassing to finish last. They have been. They have been very embarrassing. All right, let's pick out a couple more moments. Um, The next one... Uh, they played against Montreal in a home game. And, oh, yeah, um, this game. This was fun. Yeah. Uh, John, you want to you discuss uh, what, what happened in this game? So, Mr. Kirby Doc, who didn't have a point all... He didn't have a point in at, at any point in regulation. He scored the shootout winner against um, Arvid Soderboom. That was fun. You thought he was him doing the... Listening to the crowd and whatever... Yeah, yeah, that was that was not fun. Um, Frank Nazar will be doing the same thing to them in a few years, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's just it's very it's very frustrating to even like discuss this team. Obviously, it's not it's not the easiest thing at all. Um, let's uh, let's pivot now to um, a couple other things. So there was a couple other losses. They lost to. Carolina earlier, St. Louis earlier, and then there was also Winnipeg and Edmonton losses. Um, they ended up winning a game in there. They ended up beating the Rangers, and this game had some uh, fireworks, to say the least. Um, Jacob Truba-sized fireworks. He's a clown. Okay, well, I don't like Truba. He's bad, overpaid, bad. Did I, did I say bad already? Not good? He's, he's, he's like... He's like... Um, uh, Kind of what Blackhawks fans think of uh, Seth Jones, except he's worse. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know if... I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know... I don't really understand whatever made Jacob Truba an $8 million defenseman. Obviously, I don't think anything... I don't think Seth Jones ever earned being a $9 million defenseman, but still, I think that at point, Seth Jones has been worthy of being a $7 million defenseman. I don't even know if such, if Jacob Truba was ever like a $5 million caliber Does defenseman. Does he even deserve like the C on his chest, to be honest with you? No, no, no. No, no that makes no sense. That one makes no sense because they have they literally have Chris Kreider, who I would say is a much better option for Cap. I mean, like, Mika Zabinajet is more of a leader than him, I feel like. I would take either of them. I would take mostly anybody on that team. 
Yeah, yeah. Give it to like their fourth line center, yeah, whoever that I mean, is. The whole thing, with, the whole thing with Jacob Truba is just that. I don't know if he's necessarily just a. I don't think he's a terrible hockey player, but I do think that I do think that he goes for hits that are often, often very much between the lines of what is legal and what is not, and it usually ends up with somebody being very seriously hurt. And that's a problem. It's happened twice to us this in the last two years. We only play, we only play this team four times in two years, and somehow against them, Jacob Truba has basically given Jujar Caro like a super concussion, and almost did the same thing to Athanasiu. And he gets off the hook every single time. Like he hit right after what was it? Didn't he hit McKinnon? Uh... Last year, right after the Cairo hit, isn't that what happened? Like, wasn't the game after he also, like, hurt McKinnon? I think you're right. Yes, I think it was McKinnon. Yeah, um, so Jacob Truba is quickly becoming a villain in the hockey world. And I certainly didn't really think that that was going to be the case. Especially, I mean, I never really had a problem with Jacob Truba forever. I didn't really, I mean, I thought he was overpaid, but I didn't really have that big an issue with him. It just seems like over the last, like, year and a half, he's become this villain that fans across a league just despise after the rangers victory where um yes we won a hockey game it's worth mentioning uh, it's uh, it's so nice i have to say it twice the blackhawks followed that up with a seven game losing streak that is still ongoing and continued into the game that we had tonight and in that in that span they had they scored um seven total goals we played the game against the Islanders, where we lost 3 nothing. We had the game against the Devils, where we lost 3 nothing. The game against the Jets, we lost 3-1. to Game against the uh, Capitals, where we lost 7-3. to Game against Vegas, we lost 4-1. to Game against Minnesota, we lost 4-1. to And then game against the Rangers, tonight, we lost 7-1. to Now, I want to note something across those games. Most of the games were three goals, three goals, three goals. Four goals, four goals, seven goals, seven goals. Obviously, you don't expect to win games where you give up seven goals. I would say it's a coin toss when you give up, when you play games, usually if you give up four goals. More often than not, you're going to lose, but if you're giving up four goals, you can win those games. Three goals? You should win those games over 50% of the time. So if you're giving up three goals in three consecutive games, you should win one of those games maybe two, maybe even three, to lose all three of those games and then take four straight games where even though you gave up seven, four, four, and seven, to not even come close to winning any of them, where the closest goal differential in any of those games was three, is downright shameful. This team has been pathetic. They have no offensive instincts. Their expected goals are a nightmare since Tyler Johnson first got injured, and now he's injured again. Um, the offense kind of reminds me of uh, Jeremy Carlton's like the first half of his like first real year, where they couldn't do anything offensively. Except the defense sucks now, and so does the goaltending. So <laughs> it's kind of kind of all bad. I don't think Carlton, like the biggest thing over the last couple of years of his tenure was always the defensive structure. Like everyone was so was always so frustrated with the defense structure. It felt like Crawford was doing everything. And he was the only reason why we weren't getting up 10 goals a night. 
but it feels like right now we're in a much we're in kind of the flipped situation where yeah our defense is a problem i would i would say our defense is a problem but i would say that it's certainly nowhere near as bad of an issue as our offense is if a goalie is struggling they want to play us oh yeah oh yeah they, they will get the biggest confidence booster in the entire world oh that's that's 100% fair what lessons can you even take from a stretch like this sure we expect this team to be bad but can you even take any positives from these last like period of time i mean did we expect the offense to be this bad though no i didn't expect the offense to be no i didn't either we have patrick kane and jonathan taze on this roster there is no reason for us to be averaging one goal a game over the course of seven games in a season yeah I didn't expect, yeah, I, I certainly did not expect the offense to be that bad. Averaging one goal not over seven all. games. So over the past, well, since the last time we recorded the podcast, the Blackhawks have the worst 5-5 five, five, uh, goal share um, at 24.64%, which is pretty bad. Percent. Do you have the expected goals numbers on that? Expected goals, they are their third worst at... Mm -hmm. Now, looking at that, I think that it's pretty clear that we're sort of underperforming in net a little bit, but I would say we're more so underperforming in terms of just having zero ability to finish chances. It's embarrassing. It's It's flat out embarrassing. On top of that, in the last 16 games... Arvid Soderblom's save percentage is not good. It's under 890. He's he's rotting. He's rotting right now. It's still beyond me. After all these goalie injuries that we've had, there's feels like there's been like 10 of them at this point. Why we didn't sign just some like random free agent goalie to play in the NHL. Just like just to like a just league minimum contract to let one year. Soderblom play in a comfortable location i just frankly do not understand what it is that is the reason why we have not done everything in our power to make sure arvid soderblom is getting ahl game time because it's very clear at this point that what's happening right now is not doing him any favors in his development at all his time, his time being good at this level for this year is done. It's time for him to go back. And if we have two injury-prone goalies ahead of him, then we need a third, and he can't be the third because it is best for his development to be in a stable location, and that stable location is called Rockford, Illinois. Never thought I'd hear those <laughs> words in the same time. I'm sorry, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're like we're handling reichel with so much care right like we're keeping him down the ahl for the most part we're handling we've only brought him up for maybe two games right was one. one game, one game, this year. One game. Mm-hmm. we've we brought him up for one game why are we not showing the same amount of care to arvid soderblom who's arguably or no not even arguably he's in a much more sensitive position like you can like goalies are very on and off all the time so I don't I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, you know what? It's a really good point. Um, it's very clear that 
what is happening with Arvid Soderblom is not proper NHL development. I don't believe it is at all. I don't think that what the Hawks are doing right now is the right decision. I think that they should have gotten a goalie a long time ago. And you know what's funny, too? Reichel would provide offense and we're not even bringing him up. That's true. That's, you know what? That's a, that's, a, that's a fantastic point. Like, he would provide he would provide legitimate, like, it's not even like he would take over the league. Like, he would just provide some some amount of offense. He would bring some amount of offense to this team. And we're, and we're weaving him down in the AHO. We, and we're, we're not even, like, we're not even considering showing care to Soderboom, who, again, is playing the goalie position, who are... Goalies are notorious for being on and off year to year until they get until they establish themselves, like a Flurry or a or a Vas, Vasilevsky. Even after goalies establish themselves, they can be inconsistent. I mean, Jacob Markstrom over the last Jacob Markstrom over the last four over the last four seasons has had two years where he's been top five in Vesna voting, and two other seasons where he's had a save percentage under nine oh five. It's I just don't get it. But this is the one. This is the one part of the Kyle Davidson venture. So far, that I have not liked. It's the development mm-hmm. of and, and you look at you look at the defense. You look at the defense. Um, Alex Vlasic hasn't played an NHL game this year. Jakub Galvis hasn't played an NHL game this year. Isaac Phillips hasn't played an NHL game this year. Alex Gugul has played a couple. Ian Mitchell's played a couple. Um, and you have all these talented defensemen who are not getting featured for guys who were keeping up there, guys like Sherrod Tenorti, Caleb Jones, and Jack Johnson. We're trying to protect them. We're trying to okay, Jack Johnson we're trying, is we're Jack trying to protect them, which is, which is which is which is a what legitimate you be doing with yes, But we're not we're not protecting Soderboom. It's very odd. Exactly. That's the thing. And everyone called it before the season too that like Razik and uh Stalock are injury prone. It made mm-hmm. no sense not to sign a third goalie and they just didn't. And even if you lose that guy to waivers, so what? Just get a just get another one. It's not going to kill you. Sign one to like a meet exactly. a league minimum contract one year. You don't even have to like cap strap yourself to this goalie. Just get just get like some like goalie that can go out there and eat minutes. Exactly. Don't like you don't have to trade for like some superstar. Just go get like JF Berube, who's like who doesn't have a job right now. Magnus Helberg. Sure. Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia. Welcome Subban. Are you in Rochester right now? Bring him back. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even think he's playing that much because we can bring back Malcolm Subban. We, we do need a goalie. We don't need an anthem singer, but we do need a goalie. The anthem singer might be the one part of our team that's like always consistent. <laughs> Very stable. <laughs> Very stable. Putting a bow on the entire NHL section of what we have to discuss tonight. Um, let's discuss the game against the Capitals because Although it was a 7-3 loss, which wasn't really all that fun, there was a really nice moment in the game. Alex Ovechkin came into that game with 797 career goals. And he ended the night with 800 and a hat trick. And with the game being in Chicago, as a, a road visitor as Ovechkin was, I was very happy to see the way that the Hawks fans uh, treated that situation. So going into this game, I know we were going to lose because we were on, we were already on a pretty substantial losing streak by that point. So I actually wanted Ovechkin to get the 800 goal mark because I thought it would be cool if it if I was watching it, which I did, and it, I thought it was pretty cool that the Hawks fans uh, gave him like a, it wasn't like a standing ovation, but it was like a tear below that. 
I would say. So I thought that was cool that they showed him that respect. Which hat trick was better, his or uh, Eric Gustafson's? Oh my god, I was going to bring that up. Um, so, so for those for those who are listening, um, in a game uh, against the Leafs uh, Saturday night, um, Eric Gustafson had a hat trick for the Capitals. I didn't even know that. <laughs> That's and um, yeah, no, no, Eric Gustafson had a hat trick, and they were his first three goals <laughs> of the season. <laughs> They have a lot of former Hawks. Oh, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Yes, that they have well. Trevor Van Riemsdyk. They have, they have Dylan Strom. They do have Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and they do have Eric Gustafson. And in that game, those two combined for four goals. Against and Strom. They do have Strom. He didn't score any goals, um, He got an assist, though, on the Trevor Van Riemsdyk goal. Yeah, that's fun. But um, I want to also just bring up one more thing. We've kind of spent a lot of time discussing the goalies. We spent a lot of time discussing the inability to score goals. I want to discuss the defense a little bit because Jake McCabe is clearly the only guy on this team who cares. Okay, if here's the thing. I think Jake McCabe, if he stays with the Hawks and if Taze and Kane do leave, he should be the next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. That would be a very unique and, prob- and an interesting shout that I haven't put enough time into, but I honestly think now that I'm hearing it, it sounds like a good idea. You know, like when we signed the 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 off season that we signed Jake McCabe, I was uh I was on the Jake McCabe uh, bandwagon. I w- I really wanted him, and shockingly, we did get him because usually when you want a free agent, you don't get that free agent. <laughs> so it would be kind of cool if he was the next captain if Jonathan Taze does leave, which seems likely mm-hmm. at this point. Because I don't think he wants to be on a what what what's our record like seven and nineteen or something like that. It's last. Okay, yeah, he doesn't. He probably doesn't want to be on a last place team. Um, Seth Jones is currently on pace to have uh, a plus minus of negative seventy six. Oh my god! Oh my god! Doesn't help him playing thirty minutes a night. No, it doesn't help playing thirty minutes a night. But I would also say. I don't think it's going to continue no, because I, I do believe either. going forward with Jake McCabe, he's going to be better because I just think that if I'm being completely honest, Jack Johnson has killed the man. Yes. The fact that, the fact that it took so long for them to take Jack Johnson off of Seth Jones's uh, defensive pair is shameful. Um, but Tyler, just the fact that he's on that pace is embarrassing. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm not saying he's good. I mean, I know, I know you're not saying that. I'm just saying like, when you said the fact that that won't continue, my the first the first thought that popped in my head was it's just embarrassing that he's on that pace to be. Yeah, with. the fact that the fact that it's even possible at this point to have a plus minus of seventy six be logical is just mind numbing. My thought is just how bad, in terms of like historical, how what is the worst plus minus number? Negative. I think it was negative eighty two. That's what I. Oh my god, up. he's in a genuine run of possibility. <laughs> and he, the thing is, he also missed games too, so it would be even worse. If... Oh my god, he missed games. Oh my god, he missed games, and he's on the pace for negative seventy six. Oh. And seventy two games. So, Tyler, would you like? Would you like the? Would you like the player that committed yes. that offense? Um, William Robert Mickelson. Was he on the first season of the Washington Capitals? He was on the Washington Capitals. And what year? What year was it? 1974. Yep, that's the inaugural season Capitals. 
where they won like eight games. I mean, on our pace, we could do that with how this team's been going. Okay. So, let's finish off with one quick thing. The Blackhawks have two games this week. They're playing a home game against Nashville and a home game against Columbus. I also want to mention, now that I just thought of it, the fact that in this like 16-game run, we're also on a um oh my lord uh one two three four five six seven eight nine ten game home losing streak. Oh, that's not fun for the people that go to. And now we play back to back home games Wednesday against Nashville and Friday against Columbus. Well, I'm Columbus is say, pretty bad. My my question is just this: Will we beat Columbus? Um, it's certainly a possibility because they're really no, bad too. If uh, Alex Daylock makes his return to the line, I'm going with yes. Take. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that I think that we beat Columbus. Now, if you don't beat Columbus, oh, we actually played Columbus like on the 23rd and the 31st. Yes, we do. We play them. We play them a couple times this week or this next two weeks. Yes, man, hockey guys. They really want to show the tank offs. Clearly, no one wants to watch that. Well, that's why they moved it from like seven to twelve, so no one would have to watch it. <laughs> oh, and then we play the Lightning on the third. <laughs> That's not fun. What a way to burn in the new year. Yeah. We <laughs> are confident. We play the Coyotes on the 6th. Um, to, on January 1st, New Year's Day, we play the Sharks. So Tank so tank Cup. Tank Bowl. No, Tank Cup, because Tank Bowl is football. Tank Cup is hockey. I'm going to Tank Bowl, but... I call it the t That's Fox. weird, then. Tank Cup. Tank Cup. Thank you. Oh, wait, we might actually beat Nashville. They're on a six-game losing streak. <laughs> do we see Kevin Lincoln and start that game? And if they do, I hope so. and if we do, will we get a tribute? <laughs> no. No, no we, we, will not get a tri- we will not get a tribute, but we will get, a sh- we will get shut out. Yes, I am hoping for that. <laughs> I would love it. I mean, that, that Kevin Lincoln is- deserves it. I, I don't like the fact this team is losing, but I respect the heck out of Kevin Lankinen, and I would want nothing more than for him to actually turn it around against us. <laughs> is he doing he like has really well? He's better numbers than Soros. I think he's having a pretty good year. I'm, su- I'm going to say, I'm surprised that Nashville came into the year expecting Lankinen to be a quality backup, and then it just worked, considering how last year went. So this year in eight games, he has... He has a uh, seven games started. He has three wins, four losses, uh, two point six four uh, goals against average, and a nine twenty five save percentage. No, oh my God. no, no shutouts. So, but he did have a forty eight safe performance against the Islanders. The tank, Link the tank is back, my guys. All right, let's see it. Um, score predictions against Nashville. Actually, score predictions for both games. Why? Um, well, if Lincoln starts, I'm going with one nothing win for Nashville. But if he doesn't start, I'm still going to take Nashville and say like I'm going to go with like three to one Nashville. Uh, they win. Um, and then what's the other game? Was it Ant- no Columbus? On Columbus. Columbus. Um, I'm going to say we lose three to two in overtime. Ah, a point. Those are yes. Very rare. Very rare. All right, Nick. 
We'll lose to Nashville because Soros has our number, or if Lincoln ends in net because it's a revenge game, we'll lose either way. It's going to probably be a um, 4-1 Nashville win, and then the Jackets will beat the Hawks at this point because the Hawks have nothing going for themselves. Uh, 3-2. We get two goals for one. Yeah. All right, John. Um. So either way, either it or either way, whether it's Langanen or Saros, um, Saros usually plays it. It seems like he usually plays his best game against us. And Langanen, it's a revenge game, so we'll get shut out either way. It's gonna be like a three nothing win for Nashville and for Columbus. I'm not even gonna kind of predict a win until we get a win because that's where we are at this point. So I'll say. Three, two. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Nashville, I'm going to say three, nothing, because I just think that we're not going to get anything going. And this fan base has been tortured at home in the last months. Um, so, but against Columbus, I'm going to say it. I think that we are going to win that game four to one. I think it's the only time we're going to have any sort of offense. Because that roster, that blue line roster of healthy defenders for Columbus is an absolute nightmare. Still might be better than ours. I disagree, actually. I disagree. When you look at look at look at their the fact that they don't have Jake Bean, Zach Wierenski, or Adam Boquist. All of them are injured. Elvis Mers Lincolns is having a terrible season this year, and they're starting guys who have barely any NHL experience on their blue line every night, like Marcus Bjork, Tim Burney, and Jake Christensen. And they also have Good Branson, who I personally don't think is a good hockey player. I think that we're going to win that game 4-1, to one because I, or 4-2, because I think uh, the defense could have problems. You're, you're saying we score more than, than two goals? Yes, I do believe that. That is, Tyler, that's bold. I think Columbus's defense is that bad. How much regret do you think Johnny Goudreau has this and not signing with the to... devil. Or Calgary. Just going back to Calgary. I mean, Calgary um, hasn't been good either. No, they haven't, yeah. but still, like, that would have been better. It's better than last. They're fifth right now. He could have gone he could have gone to New Jersey. I don't know why he didn't. He would have been like the perfect winger for Jack Hughes. And with that, we are going to take a small little break here. And when we get back. We are going to get into our World Juniors preview and Prospect and Rockford report over the last little bit. So stay tuned, and we will see you in a bit. All right, we are back, and it's time to get into our World Juniors preview for this upcoming IHF World Junior Championships. And... Wally, I'm going to ask you the first question right away. If you're a Hawks fan, what is the best team you should follow for Hawks? Uh, definitely Team Canada. I mean, they have four, pros- four Hawks prospects on the team. Uh, Nolan Allen, Ethan Delmastro, Kevin Korczynski, and Colton Dock all made the team. Um, so that's definitely the team to follow. Um, I would also follow Team Sweden because Victor Runborg uh, made their team as well, which wasn't really a surprise, so... Mm-hmm. And um, a couple notes in terms of uh, leadership roles in the World Juniors for Hawks prospects. 
Yeah, Victor Hrundborg is um, going to be the captain for Team Sweden, and Ethan Dalmastro was named an alternate captain uh, for Team Canada. Yeah. Um, so uh, what does it look like right now when it comes to Team Canada with where our players are playing in the lineup? Yeah, so right now, I don't know if these are... They're probably going to change, I'd imagine. Um, so Ethan Dalmastro is currently on the first pairing with Olin Zellweger, um, and then Nolan Allen's on the second pairing. Um, Kevin Korczynski's on the third pairing. Um, he's also on the second power play unit. He's actually quarterbacking uh, the second power play unit. Um, and then Colton Dock is an extra for right now, which I wouldn't be surprised if it stayed that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that when it comes to the um, Team Canada, one of the things that it appears like when you look at their uh, pairs is that it looks like they've paired one really creative skill defenseman with one bruiser. And that's what it looks like when you have Zellweger, who is one of the best skaters in all of junior hockey and has is a really fantastic offensive defenseman paired with Del Mastro. And then you have um, Nolan Allen, who is playing with uh, Brant Clark, who is a similar type of defenseman, has NHL games played, and is also in the uh, alternate captains group one very creative offense defenseman. And then you have Kevin Korchinski, who is more of the offensive threat, um, would probably be playing higher up in the lineup if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, they brought in Brant Clark from the NHL. And he's playing with Jack Mattier, who is more of a bruiser type as well. And then you also have Tyson Hines, who's the seventh defenseman, and he also is kind of the uh, more physical type of defenseman as well. So it's kind of what it seems like. You watch out for that. Watch for... Nolan Allen and Del Mastro being the guys who are going to be physical forces. Um, stay out of the box, but definitely uh, check you in next week. Paired with good uh, creative defensemen, really talented players. And then you have Korczynski, who is a very talented um, defenseman, who will be playing with a more bruiser-type guy as well. So watch out for that. And then for Colton Dock, um, what do you see for his role on this team because he was a little bit of a surprise even over another Hawks prospect who was a camp invitee in Ryan Green and some other guys who were considered and they didn't and they then people thought probably should have made it over him. Um what do you see for Colton Doc's role on the Canada World Junior team? Yeah, I, I forget um what the exact roles are. Um if you can do you know what they are? Can you play an extra you play. I think I believe that you are allowed to play thirteen. I think you're allowed to dress nineteen skaters. You might even be allowed to dress twenty. And usually, people go with um, either. I think it's either thirteen and seven, or thirteen and six, or four, or it's like twelve and seven. Usually, I think you're allowed one extra skater. Then you get in uh, NHL games. It might be two, but I'm pretty sure it's just one. Yeah. Um, okay. He will, he will play as a, they will pl- probably play him as a thirteenth forward. Yeah, I, I don't think he he probably doesn't get that much um, time. I I don't know. Maybe some on the power play just because he has a good shot. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's gonna have too big of a role on this team Canada team. But maybe we'll we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he'll score a few goals or maybe he'll move up in the lineup. It'll be interesting to see though. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy and, I can dust off the Canada uh, Kirby Dock jersey and make it a Colton Dock. He's wearing number seventeen. Ah, uh, you just get rid of the you just get rid of the C, and then it all makes sense. 
it doesn't have a C on it because Perfect. this is pre uh, Captain Kirby Doc. Nice. So it's a Colton Doc in my opinion now. But I also want to say, um, so Canada, their group in the World Juniors. Um, Nick, who were, who is Canada matched up to play? So in Group A, which is where Team Canada plays, they're currently sitting as the uh, fifth team in it, which is interesting. Um, they play Sweden, Germany, Czech Republic, Austria, and then there's Canada. In Group B, it's Switzerland, Latvia, the U.S., Finland, and Slovakia. All right. So you said that the, the U.S. group is Latvia, Finland, Slovakia, and who else? Um, Switzerland. Switzerland. All right. And then Team Canada, their group will be um, Germany, um, and then the Czech Republic, uh, Sweden. Sweden and Austria. And Austria. All right. So fairly even groups, I would say, for both, uh, for both Team both Team Canada and for Team USA, who are usually the favorites in every World Juniors they play in. Um, they've won the majority of the last bunch of World Juniors. Obviously, there was the COVID World Juniors in 2021, where the U.S. won. Canada won last year. Canada's won a lot in the previous years as well. But along with that, in this tournament, I believe we have Canada, you said, was playing against uh, Team Sweden in Group A. That was correct. Yep. So in Group A with Team Sweden, we have Victor uh, Hamburg, who obviously he's playing in the SHL. So he's playing against men in a men's league. So it's not as easy compared to some of the other players. However, his numbers aren't exactly the highest. Um, his uh, ceiling offensive ceiling isn't exactly the highest. How much impact, Wally, do you think that Victor Humberg will really have in this World Juniors outside of defensively? Yeah, if I had to guess, probably not that much. I'm going to guess that he's probably going to play like third line and probably first penalty kill, so he'll definitely have a role. Um, I just don't think he's going to put up a ton of points. I mean, the, at the World Juniors this summer, um, he had zero points. So maybe, hopefully we see an uptick in production, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that could possibly be the case, um, especially with guys like um, you know I believe uh, Fabian Liso and some other really talented uh, forwards are on that team of Sweden. That team could go uh, very far. However, it feels like Team Canada is the team of destiny this year. I mean, they've brought in all these NHL players like Dylan Gunther, uh, Shane Wright, and Brant Clark on top of having the two top prospects for this year's upcoming draft, who the Hawks are in line to get one of them. Let's discuss Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli at this point. Give me both of them, please. Thank you. Just at least get one, please. I mean, we're not getting both. <laughs> it's, not, it's not possible. You never know. I would love to see either or in a Hawks jersey. Really would love Bedard in a Hawks jersey because <laughs> yeah. he's a once in a generation talent. Yeah, he is fantastic. Um, his wrist shot is probably better than ninety percent of NHLers right now. I wouldn't go there quite yet with that, but I would put him probably around the seventy-five percentile at this point because he, we don't know how he'll, his game will fully adjust into the NHL because sometimes the first overall 
draft pick, let's be honest, Bedard's probably will likely go first overall. If they no one takes some first overall, I would be highly questioning the GM at that point. Uh, Bedard will go in. It's going to have those growing pains going into the NHL to start, but I think he will be like a Connor McDavid sometime down the line. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. like up to full McDavid level. Yeah, I already think that um, when it comes to Bedard versus McDavid, I would say that Bedard is, um, he's not necessarily a McDavid skater. He skates the same way, but I don't know if he's as good as uh, McDavid in that sense. Um, his shot is better, but his passing is not on the same level. Um, and I think that that's something that he'll definitely need to improve because it seems like he plays, um, you know, they say the term hero ball times when it comes like basketball it seems like he's playing a lot of hero puck out there where it kind of just feels like he has to do everything because when he's with the regina pats they are just a god-awful team that does their roster is just there's nobody else there who can generate any level of offense of any capacity so he has to do everything and he's just shooting from everywhere i do have some personal concerns that those habits might be well, I would say that if those habits aren't fixed, which I do trust in him to fix them, then it could be a problem at the next level. But I do think that he'll be able to fix them. Is Bedard the um, only 2005-born player in the tournament? I don't think so. No. No, he's not. No, because um, there's actually a 2006-born player in the tournament. Um, Aaron Kiviharyu, defenseman for Finland, is playing, and he's the top projected prospect in 2024. Okay. I didn't realize there was someone younger. Yeah, no, there is. Um but yeah, no, he is I mean, uh he is one of the youngest players. And even he's one of the younger players in his draft. Can we class, get him which, too? What was that? I said can we get Kiviharyu too? We could. We definitely could. Um Kiviharyu is very talented. Um we'll have to see over the next year. Now with, with Adam Fantilli, um he's I would. I am a big fan of Adam Fantilli. I think that it's been. I've made it very clear that I think that if the Hawks get the second overall pick, we are more than fine. It's not like it's not like the situation where if you get number if you get number one, you're amazing, and if you get number two, then you are. Then like it's a nightmare. This is a fantastic year to get the second overall pick. Because I think we have the best, I would say that outside of Bedard, we have a top five prospect, or I mean, including Bedard, we have a top five prospect of the last five years. I would only draft Bedard, Dalene, and Jack Hughes over him in the last five drafts. Both of them are obviously very good, and they're both extremely talented. They're playing in different, uh, their, their levels are also very different in terms of where they play. Fantilli, um, after... Uh, being drafted in the OHL, uh, decided not to go to the OHL because of the fact that the season was canceled. So he went to the USHL, and now he's playing at the University of Michigan, despite being from Canada. Bedard, on the other hand, has played his entire career in the WHL, got exceptional status to the WHL, and has been fantastic over the last three years for the Regina Pats. So it'll be interesting to see them playing Probably not in the same line. It appears like Fantilli's on line two and Bedard will be on line one. But they're, they, it looks like they're going to both be playing key roles to this team 
Uh, Fantilli is more of a passing player, but he's also massively physical. I've said that I see like Matthew Kachuk in terms of his play style. Uh, a little bit less annoying, but Matthew Kachuk is the way that I see it. And then Bedard is like a is like a mini McDavid at this point, but probably a better shooter and not as good of a passer. What of the W between the WHO and the college leagues or the NCAA, which one is like more difficult in your opinion? Okay. Well, it's a little bit weird because the WHL has like a four year gap or four years of like ages. And those like four primary years of ages is like 16 to 20. And you look at college and it's like 18 to 22. So it's like four extra years for those. So college playing college hockey, you're playing against playing against an average of two years older players most of the time. I would say that, however, the talent of the WHL is better than the talent of college hockey, but I think that the gap in terms of the fact that you're playing against older players closes that gap and maybe makes it a more difficult league to play in. The only reason I ask, I think it should be in the conversation. Like, for any player, for any player, is the skill level of the league. Now, if you're putting up ridiculous numbers, those should be, in any league, those should be considered. But I feel like also the difficulty should be also be considered. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And I think that with um the difficulty of the league... um. The Big Ten hockey is a very competitive conference. They've had very good players out of the last couple of years. It's argued, I would say it's the second best conference in college hockey, only behind Hockey East, or the third best conference. I would say it's second or third in terms of the quality of difficulty in college hockey. And even then, college hockey as a whole is very, very competitive, much more competitive than it was even 15 years ago. And with that, let's get into this Rockford report because the Ice Hogs are playing quite fantastically over the last uh, five weeks. What did you say there, John? Yeah, they are. They're 10, 3, and 2 in there since uh, November 13th. And this is being recorded on December 18th. So that's 15 games. Yeah, it's been a little rougher uh, over the last few, uh, couple games or six games. We're, do, we're doing the classic win one, uh, lose one, lose two, win one, lose one, win one. So it's it's getting a little rough right now, but um, it's fine, I guess. Uh, we kind of played down to our competition against the Hartford Wolfpack. We won that game 3-2, to two, but we should have probably played a little better because they're one of the worst teams in the AHL. Um, when we played the Marlies, they're... Considering that they're very good, they played not that good, or the Marlies did not play well that game, and we ended up losing. So I feel like if we played it just marginally better, we would have won that game. Um, mm. Iowa Wild still have our number. They beat us two nights in a row, both in extra time, or we lost one in a shootout, and then we lost one in overtime. Um we went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the Western Conference and the Milwaukee Admirals. It was the whole, like, so they would score one, we would score one. They would score one, we would score one. And then in the third, we just took over. We scored four goals to their one goal. And so it's good to, considering that we went 
up against the best team or one of the best teams in the Western Conference, I would consider that a like two wins instead of one. All right. Um, and what are your thoughts on like a couple of the players so far? Because it seems like at the beginning of the year, the top line was Sini, um, Reichel, and Philp. However, it appears like uh, Philp has been replaced on that top line. So uh, Dave Gust is going off, or most of the new people are going off, like Roos, Gust, uh, Sini, Philp. It appears that more uh, like uh, Sini and Philp have taken a lesser role, but Gust is still going off. Um, Lucas Reichel is obviously going off. Uh, Isaac Phelps has been very good this year. He's been one of the best defensemen in the AHL. Cole Gutman has been really good since coming. Yeah, back Cole Gutman too. has been. Yeah, he's been good. It's not a player that would like uh, Isaac Phillips or not Isaac Phillips. Uh, Vlasic. He was doing okay, but he just got injured with a broken fibula. That sucks for him because he was playing decent. I felt like nothing fantastic, but not terrible either. Um, Adam Condenning is not doing. He's, he's awful. awful. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, he's not been doing good this year. All he's good for is punching people in the face. Yeah, and getting having the highest plus or lowest plus minus on the team. Um, yeah, the goalies have been on and off. Sometimes they make like, for example, Stauber. I think it was the. I think he, yeah, it was the Leafs game. Um, he had like a couple soft goals, but then like. After he would give up a soft goal, he would make like this spectacular save that that didn't seem like he could make after giving up a bad goal. So um, we talked about it before, but we need to bring down Soderblom so we have more consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of want to go through a couple of players who've been playing fantastically. Um, the first one is the uh, leading scorer for the Rockford Icehogs right now. Uh, Brett Sini, it appears, is currently the Hawks, the Ice Hogs' leading goal scorer, uh, with 31 points so far, 12 goals, 19 assists in 25 games. David Gust and Lucas Reichel are right behind him with 29 each. You know, with with Reichel being over a point a game in the AHL, Sini being over a point a game in the AHL, even Gust. I know he's not an NHL contract, but still the case. Is it too crazy to say that we should attempt to find? different depth guys in the NHL and that we should try and give these some of these guys a chance and that they've earned it. It's not crazy at all, I don't think. Um, the one thing that does suck about Sini, Gust, uh, Gutman, and um, who's the guy I'm forgetting, Philip, is that they're all in their mid-20s. Like, if they were 21, it would be. A lot, I feel like it would be a lot better. But um, they're still playing. That doesn't take effect away from that they're playing well. It, it just sucks that they won't like be playing at this level for too too much longer because they're hitting their primes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to discuss Cole Gutman because we mentioned earlier in the year uh, that he was he was playing, but then he got hurt and then he missed a bit of time. He's been back, and uh, in the last games. 17 games he's played so far, he has 16 points, 9 goals, and 7 assists. He did impress a little bit in the uh, preseason games, and he's on an NHL contract, and he's only like 23 years old. So, I would personally say that I think that Cole Gutman could be a player 
in the not so distant future for the Blackhawks. What are your thoughts on that? In my opinion, they should give um, the fellow, my fellow short king, a chance. In my opinion, talk about Brett that's, that's all I'm going to say. Oh no, well, both of them. Cole Gutman's also five nine. So is Brett. Oh, Cole Gutman's five so, nine. Oh. Yes, yes, they're both five nine, oh, and so am I. So they should both be given chances. <laughs> in my opinion, it, uh, Gutman's most recent goal was like really, really nice. It was against the the Marlies, and uh, it was on a breakaway. And I think it, yeah, it tied it tied the game at two, I think, or three, two or three. Nice. I want to pivot now to the defenseman, um, because obviously we have some fantastic performances recently on the defense. Unfortunately, Alex Vlasic got injured, but we do have a couple of really good things to talk about when it comes to the defenseman. First one, Philip Bruce was sent down to the AHL around a week ish ago. And he's played three games since, and he scored two goals. Yeah, he scored the game winner. Yeah, it was the game winner yesterday. And then it was, he scored in his first game. And I think he scored in his first game in Toronto, or against Toronto. It wasn't Toronto his first game. It must have been Iowa. It, yeah, it Iowa. must have been Iowa. It must have been Iowa, yeah. It seems like for Philip Bruce, uh, being in the AHL is the best case for his development. And now that he played enough time in the NHL to where Sheleftia could no longer recall him to the SHL, uh, it's a good thing that we were able to send him back to the AHL and put him in that location so he can be, you know, playing meaningful games on a better team, getting good ice time around players that they're all developing together. I mean, you look at Isaac Phillips, who's 21, who's probably the best defense, one of the best five defensemen in the AHL this year. I mean, what's his plus minus again? Uh, plus 17. It's plus 17 in 25 games on a slightly above average team. He's like leading the team in plus minus, I believe. He is, by four. It's crazy. And then you look, Jakob Galvis uh, is having a decent year as well. Alex Vlasic is playing well, even though he's hurt. Regula. Regula. Alec Regula is playing well, I would say, in the AHL. What are your thoughts because I don't, I wouldn't say that Regula had the best NHL cameo of this. No, year. he did not. No, I was, I was, I always liked, I always liked Regula in like last year and the year before that when he came up to the NHL. I, did, I didn't think he played that well in the NHL this year. What are your thoughts on his AHL performances? This um, year? I think he's playing well. Um, I felt like last year in the AHL he had more uh, flashy plays. This year it doesn't seem like he's having those flashy plays. I remember uh, one time last year he like he like dangled through like three defensemen and almost scored a goal this year. We haven't seen really anything like that. Maybe it's the coaches don't want him doing that. Or maybe he, he thought he was going to get himself caught in a, or get his team caught in a odd man rush. I don't know, but um, all things considered, I think he's playing well for what he's been asked to do, which is play defense. Yeah. To comment on that. I think the, coaching staff I think the main thing with him from what I've read they want him to get rid of the puck earlier because they think he holds on to the puck too much um so that's probably why you haven't seen his and he's, he's got nice hand he's got nice hands for defensemen like he was he was kind of through yeah but I think this is it's kind of the situation where you want him to be making decisions quicker so that he's not trapped he's not trapped in turnoverville and he's not gonna he's not gonna pull that off. At no, no, obviously, I'm not like there. arguing that he should be cutting through defenses. I'm just, I just I would I just found it surprising 
when I saw him last year doing it up close because I stand like 15 feet away from the opposing net every night at home games. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, talk about two more players before we finish up. Um, the first one is just kind of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of it just, just a little bit of a, um, a, a personal uh, one. What have been your thoughts on Louis Crevy this this year? Because obviously, you know, he's the project of all projects. Um, strong, uh, six foot eight, massive defenseman, right handed shot. Um, was a seventh round pick and is now in the AHL. How do you think he, and he's played twenty three games this year? How do you think he's played so far, especially in terms of his defensive ability? I think John? he's played well. I think he uses the body pretty well. Well, well he has to because he's six eight, but um. Sometimes it feels like those bigger players don't use it well because they don't know how to control it. It seems like he knows how to control it, in my opinion. I'm not some scout, though, so what do I know? But I think he's played well. He only has two points, but he's not here for his offensive ability. He's here for his defensive ability. And on a personal note, he's he's really cool. So that's nice. All right, and the last guy I want to discuss is a bit of a weird one because it appears like the Rockford Ice Hogs have had a bit of a culture shift this season on the ice. And it's led to one of the guys of like the past year, the past couple of years, one of their guys being essentially an afterthought. Garrett Mitchell has only played 12 games this season and he has zero points. He's the captain of this team and he's barely getting into the lineup. What do you think is going so, on there? So, for the longest time, when he was not playing, I thought he was injured because, like, you always play your your captain no matter what most of the times. And so, I've been I've been surprised. I'm really surprised they have not played him in some of these games. Like sometimes in the I'm in the player tunnel. That's my uh, my location for the game, and he's just standing there in a suit and tie. Uh, with a cup of coffee watching the game and I've never talked to him it seems like he wants to be out there with the guys uh, and that goes, just goes for any player do you know if he was hurt because it looks like it looks like he was out for basically a month and he just came back uh, actually yesterday against Hartford I don't know if he was hurt okay it, did, it didn't seem like they reported anything about it though. yeah right so like sometimes yeah. they keep but it would be weird to scrap yeah. him for a whole month without playing a single game. But it would also be, it would also be weird to not report an injury. Sometimes they don't report injuries at all. Yeah, it it's been weird this year though. It, it's it's different because they don't have Joey anymore. That's the Wally. Thing. Wasn't there a player like, this year that they didn't report an injury for, and we were trying um, to figure out what was wrong with them? I felt like there was this. Oh, I felt geez, like it was for the Ice Hogs. Was it maybe Buzz Decker? Um, he was out for a bit. No, Buzz Decker was just on really? scratch. Okay, I, I don't get that then. Yeah, because he is playing better. I don't know why good. they would scratch him then, because I thought he's because honestly, he was probably one of our better players last year. I would also say that I think that the Ice Hogs have kind of surpassed the previous definition of what it meant to be a good Ice Hogs player. Maybe this is like an over evaluation of him. I feel like he was like a poor man's Hagel. You know, I think that in terms of play style, I think like he was always get, like he was always working the hardest out there. 
was always like try to get he was always good on the four check um like he, i feel i felt like he had, like i don't think they keep the stat because the AHL is weird and they don't keep a lot of like basic stats like time on ice and stuff Ooh. like that oh, they do they just don't tell us huh <laughs> they do they just don't tell us okay yeah, John, can you sneak into like the <laughs> analytics room or whatever and just like send some of those to us? Thanks. Um, but it felt like he had more takeaways than giveaways last year, and that helped create offense. And if he was truly scratched and not injured, I don't know why that would be because, like, we're pl- or he's better than some of the players that we are that were playing when he was not playing, like Bobby Lynch or Buddy Robinson. Yeah. Like again, those are cool guys, but like Buddy Robinson's had like has had like five breakaways this year. He isn't scoring on any of them. <laughs> Wait, he got on a breakaway? How? How? I, I'm not joking. This guy's gotten on more break breakaways than like Lucas Reichel. It's weird. I have I have maybe five is an exaggeration, but I have watched at least three breakaways this year. He's on him, and he hasn't done anything. Uh-huh. It's just weird. He's had like a bunch of scoring chances, and he hasn't. Does he have a goal this year? He's got five. I don't. I yeah, don't he has five. I don't remember him getting. I think I remember maybe one. I mean, they play games outside of Rockford. I know. That's, I'm just, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And the last thing that I want to discuss when it comes to the Ice Hogs is that on Saturday, December 10th, they had their teddy bear toss. And John, Nick, I believe both of you guys were there for that. How was the whole event? Um, I'll let Nick go first because I work there, so he was our guest. Well, it was a lot of fun. I showed up wearing a Santa Claus suit. Um, but, yeah... It was a lot of fun going to the Teddy Bear Toss. The Ice Hogs got the, it, the goal pretty early by Tipley, and which was nice because I brought a four and a half foot teddy bear to the game to throw out onto the ice. Um, but it was a lot of fun seeing all the uh, bears get thrown about five minutes into play, seeing how everything was going on. A lot of people before the game was even saying, if the Ice Hawks are getting shot out by the third period, we're just throwing these uh, bears onto the ice, even if they haven't scored yet. Like, during play, they wanted to throw the bears out onto the ice. If the play has not been... If there was not a goal yet in the midway point with the third period left. That's what a lot of people were saying (laughs) in the stands. I think you would have gotten, like, you would have gotten like a delay game penalty, wouldn't you? Probably. Um, I have a comment on that. So I'll let Nick finish and then I'll comment on that. Okay. So ahead, it was John. wildly wildly successful. Uh, now to Nick's point, if if there was no goal, um, by the end of the second, we would have thrown them during the intermission, not in the middle of play. Um, <laughs> um I believe it was Tepley who scored the goal. No one made that announcement, so we did not know. Well, so I think fans were even saying, "We'll the just throw these things out during." I think they would announce it during period. the intermission, like, "Hey, we haven't scored yet. Throw your teddy bears." 
Um, now, the official number of teddy bears we guesstimated because um, there were so many. We had and so few workers. Uh, we had four thousand eight hundred and thirty-nine teddy bears. Wow, that's fantastic! And what is going to be the uh, location of all these teddy bears going to? They're ending up at various hospitals around uh, Rockford, Illinois, and I'm assuming I'm maybe even Chicago. If if we don't have enough hospitals to give them to, because we have four thousand of them. That's that's a lot. Yeah. That is a ton of teddy bears. Um, I didn't. I believe it was Tepley who scored the goal. I didn't see the yes, goal. Yes, it was Tepley because I, we were too busy like preparing ourselves for the teddy bear toss. So once we heard the goal horn, it was absolute mayhem in the player tunnel because we were all like running like a million miles a minute with like our like we were chickens with our heads cut off. John, were um, you on the ice? I was on the ice during the p- picking up process. I, Nick, did you see John on the ice? <laughs> I did not see him on the ice for the pickup process. He wasn't on, I guess, not on my side of the ice. But I did see him on the ice later I on. I mean, I guess when game. you were wearing a Santa uniform, uh, it's pretty hard to miss you. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I got on the Jumbotron and TV during the game yeah, quite a bit. it was bit. fantastic. And if you want to check out Nick's entire video documenting the whole thing, he had may has posted a vlog on his YouTube channel documenting the whole thing. Well worth watching. It's still a lot of fun to see the entire thing go down because Nick in a Santa uh, costume is uh, a joy. <laughs> it may have not been my best at it because I don't do many vlogs on my channel, but it was something different to do because it was the charity game throwing all those teddy bears out onto the ice for mayhem to happen. See Lucas Reichel pick up a bear, big teddy bear with his stick and start uh, batting it up in the air a little bit with it. It was kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. I will say. Um... So we do three stars of the game for both oh, both teams, home and away, and we give out uh, like Texas Roadhouse uh, peanuts. And when I looked up in the away player tunnel, I saw a teddy bear in the net um, from the people that were throwing them from the sweet seats. So that was that was kind of funny. John, thank you for finally <laughs> answering that question. <laughs> I've been wondering that watching games, what are the players throwing out? It looks like a bag of peanuts, and you finally answer my question about it. Wait, so this the is more you know. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We need to, we need to get this. This is something that's been like racking your brain. Yes, watch when I do my live streams on my Discord server with uh, everyone to watch the games. After the three stars, we see the. Players come out, throw a bag of something, and we're wondering, are they throwing out a bag of peanuts? And yeah, I think, like, that's what, I think that's what I saw this? the last time when we saw it. We, yeah, it was, they give a bag of peanuts, they throw it into the crowd. So the reason the yeah. reason we do that is because Texas Roadhouse is one of our sponsors. Um, So we do have them for lunch sometimes. They're okay. Um, <laughs> now it's turned into a food review. <laughs> now, I do believe... If we don't have peanuts, we do t-shirts. And sometimes the t-shirts are like the Hard Rock Casino t-shirts or just like a regular Ice Ox t-shirt. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. 
um, I got a teddy bear thrown at me in the face. It almost knocked off my glasses. I was picking it picking up bears and someone threw it at my face. I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if it was by accident, but it was nonetheless it was it hit me in the face. I think I Now it's a teddy bear, so I'm guessing no, it was but that it, hard. it did take me by surprise. It was it did take me by surprise because I was going as fast as I could trying to bag as many bears as I possible. I took to the back of the head and I was just sitting in the stands. Um, I think I bagged I think I did 3 bags and one bin it's like a trash bin and if you're wondering how long it took yeah. us to count them it took us like 30 minutes because we my goodness how many people were t- were on that task um i think it was like 10 of us but one of one of the uh marketing people w- was uh taking the average amount of bears in each uh, trash bag so that made it go quicker okay that is going to be everything for this episode of the Hockey Puckcast. Tune in next week where we will discuss the most recent um, Blackhawks uh, games. We will also discuss um, a couple of the World Juniors games that have happened. And we might have a guest with us to preview an upcoming Hawks game. So thank you, as always, for joining us. Wally? Cole Caulfield is the Nuclino Messi. Sorry, I had, I had to get the World Cup reference in. You didn't the world cup that was a big reason why we were why we had so few episodes recently was because you know world cup fever um but uh thanks for that uh nick we're sucking hard for bedard yes and now we can watch bedard and john i feel like if the ice hawks played the blackhawks 10 times the ice hawks would win one time at least i'd say two if four well, are you gonna raise? Are you gonna raise the stakes? Are you gonna raise this? <laughs> let's go ten out of ten. Hell yeah! Let's That's what I'd like this go, podcast hogs. Too, so. Let's go, hogs. <laughs> My name is Tyler. This has been the Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by B-Y forward slash 4.0.